than the temptation that has been given to you by these legalists who are trying to tell you to follow the law, it would be so elementary to you, you would say, uh, no, uh, I don't have to follow the law. I don't have to follow the religious rituals and ceremonial rituals of the Old Testament in order to be saved. I'm saved by grace through faith. I know Jesus. I know whom I have believed. Hello, and welcome to the Portland General Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. My name is Rory Anderson, and I'm the youth director at Portland General Baptist Church. We're excited and blessed that you chose to be with us today. The voice you just heard is our very own Dr. Rich Roberts, our adult Sunday school teacher. Normally, you would not hear an introduction to the podcast, but due to the current COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic, we have had to cancel our regular worship services and move to an online format, at least for the time being. Brother Larry Treadway's Sunday morning sermons will continue to be posted weekly, but now we're also providing Dr. Rich Roberts' adult Sunday school class lessons, and soon my youth lessons will also be available. Be sure to stay until the end of this episode for information on how to find these resources. Dr. Roberts has been leading his class in a series on the book of Galatians. So, let's turn in our Bibles together to Galatians chapter 6, verses 11 through 13. And now, Dr. Roberts. Welcome everyone to our uh, Palm Sunday edition of our Sunday School lesson. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 6. Uh, we're going to be starting at verse number 11. Uh, but as this is our Palm Sunday edition, I want us first of all to reflect upon the meaning of Palm Sunday, uh, the meaning of this Passion Week, as we're looking forward to next week, which will be Easter. On Palm Sunday, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. They were waving and casting palm leaves at his feet. Palm Sunday. They were proclaiming him as the king. The problem is their motives were wrong. They wanted an earthly king, one who would deliver them from the Roman Empire. And Jesus was preaching the message of eternal salvation, of an everlasting kingdom that would never fade away. So the people's motives were wrong, and that came to light very quickly, because within the process of one week, from that first, uh, first of the week whenever he rode in Palm Sunday to the next week, Jesus was crucified, buried, and raised from the dead. We're going to be talking a lot about motives today, uh, even though we are continuing with our Galatians study, not necessarily a lesson on Palm Sunday, we are going to be dealing with the idea of motives. When we get to Galatians chapter 6, verse number 11, we start the ending of the book, the part of the book that Paul wrote with his own hand. So as we're getting ready to get into this study, uh, would you pray with me a word of prayer? Father, we come before your throne of grace and your throne of mercy, and we thank you, Lord, for all, all of your many blessings. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to study your word once again. I pray, Lord, your divine protection upon everybody who hears my voice from this awful COVID, vi COVID virus. I pray, Lord, that you'll keep us all safe and healthy. Help us, Lord, to keep our focus upon you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 11, is, a, is the ending of the book. Now, most scholars will tell us that 
Most of the books of Paul, most of the letters of Paul, I should call them letters and not books, Paul transcribed them to a, to a secretary uh, who wrote down what he said and then carried the letter off to someone else. Um, most of the time, according to scholars, this secretary was probably Luke, uh, though there are some debates and arguments about that. However, what is notable about all of these books is that at the very end, as Paul was going to sign his name to the letter, just like we sign our names to letters, Paul wrote postscripts in his own hand. You see in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 21 and 24, uh, the Bible says, The salutation with my own hand, Paul. So Paul is stating that uh, he wrote this part with his own hand to verify that the rest of the letter is true. In Colossians 4.18, this salutation by my own hand, Paul. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 3.17, the salutation of Paul with my own hand, which is a sign in every epistle, so I write. I like, that the, way, uh, I like the way he wrote that in 2 Thessalonians 3.17. He says, I'm writing with my own hand at the end, uh, in order for you to know that this epistle, this letter, uh, is actually mine. Even though I've transcribed it to someone else, someone else has been writing for me. Please remember, Paul at times, you know, with some of these letters, he was under house arrest. And with other letters, he was actually in prison. He was, you know, and these were not nice plush prisons. These were horrible, rat-infested, germ-infested cages. Uh, so yeah, he was, uh, he was speaking the letter as someone else was writing down what it was he had to say. As we start Galatians 6.11, the, the actual manuscript changes. Instead of going from what was transcribed to, to the person writing, uh, it, this is in Paul's own hand. He's writing it with his own hand so that everybody knows that the text of Galatians is actually Paul's. And he says... Starting with verse number 11. See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. Now this is unique because you don't find this type of phrase in 1 Corinthians, Colossians, or 2 Thessalonians where he says, not only am I writing with my own hand, but I'm writing with large letters. So it begs the question, why is he writing with large letters? Well, two immediate things come to mind. Uh, which is as true today as would be true back in Roman times. Two possible reasons why he wrote with large letters. Number one was he was showing elementary style writing. Uh, he was showing kids writing. Uh, most of us are really aware of the paper that you buy if you're going to buy paper for a kindergartner or first grader. usually has three lines, two solid lines with a dotted line in the middle. And it's the paper that teachers use to teach the young kids how to write their letters, as certain parts of the letter go the full scale, whereas some parts of the letter only go up to the middle part of the line, and so on. Elementary style writing. Why would Paul want to show elementary style writing to the Galatians? Well, he's basically saying you're acting like children. You're acting elementary. You're not acting as adults in Christ. Now, I, I want to emphasize that part in Christ because it doesn't matter how old you are whenever you get saved physically. Uh, you can be a 50-year-old baby 
If you're, a, if, if you're 50 years old, whenever you first get saved at an altar, uh, then you're still a baby in Christ, even though you're 50 years old as far as your physical age. We all are at different states of spiritual maturity. And Paul is telling, telling the Galatians baby, uh, ba- basically that your baby's in Christ, that you are acting elementary, that you need elementary instruction because of the stuff that people are tempting you with, the stuff that you're trying to believe. Remember, Paul has spent most of this book dealing with legalists, people who have tried to convince them that they need to be circumcised, that they need to follow Jewish traditions in order to be saved. And Paul is saying, you don't have a good foundation yet, yet, yet in your doctrine. You don't have a good foundation yet in, in, in that belief system of God, or else this would really not be a temptation to you. If you truly believe that you're saved by grace through faith, not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of any work, lest anyone should try to boast. If you really believe that you're saved by grace only, then the temptation that has been given to you by these legalists who are trying to tell you to follow the law, it would be so elementary to you, you would say, uh, no, uh, I don't have to follow the law. I don't have to follow the religious rituals and ceremonial rituals of the Old Testament in order to be saved. I'm saved by grace through faith. I know Jesus. I know whom I have believed. And because you know him, you have that relationship with him, uh, these other wary doctrines do not tempt you to fall away. So it could be that Paul is telling them, uh, hey, you're acting elementary, and that's why I'm addressing you as elementary children. Uh, I'm writing with large letters. But there's another reason why he may write with large letters. Uh, Those of you who text or email and so on, you know, or, or you put stuff on Facebook or so on, you know that when you're typing, you don't use all capital letters. If you're using all capital letters, then what you're doing is you're basically screaming at your audience. It is, a, it is given for emphasis. It's given for screaming. Um, one time I wrote my wife in a text, and it was all caps. And I wasn't, you know, I wasn't trying to emphasize anything. I was just too lazy to turn off the all caps. And her reply to me was, why, why are you screaming at me? Uh, and I wasn't trying to scream at her, but that's what the all caps symbolize. Uh, they symbolize that we need emphasis now. You need to listen to what I'm saying. It's basically a screaming attempt to get someone's attention. Uh, so Paul could be writing with large letters in order to get someone's attention, to keep someone's attention, to say, hey, here I am. Listen to me. Listen to what I have to say. He's trying to emphasize what is going on here. That takes us to verse number 12. So he's writing in all cap, or no, he doesn't say all capital, but all large letters. He's writing in all large letters. And then in verse 12, he gives us a reason why he's writing in all large letters. Verses 12 and 13 of Galatians chapter 6. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. He's right back to dealing with the legalist, the people who say you need to follow Old Testament ceremonies in order to find salvation in Christ. Those who want them to follow Jewish tradition, Jewish ceremonial law. 
which we know from being Christians that we don't follow the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament. We don't follow the ceremonial laws of the Jews. We are saved by grace through faith. So, Paul, Paul in these two verses gives us two motives. Remember I told you we were going to be talking about motives today. What are the motives for their action? Paul gives us two reasons or two motives why these Judaizers, these legalists, are trying to make uh, the new Christians follow Jewish tradition and Jewish customs. Number one, he says, to make a good showing in the flesh. Now that should be pretty obvious. They want to look good. These legalists pretended to be motivated out of concern for the ones they were trying to bring to the law. Notice I said pretended to be motivated. But Paul saw through this deception. He saw what their real motive was. Their real motive was selfish. Simply desiring some sort of honor or some sort of glory. Some good showing in the flesh. They wanted the Galatians to become circumcised so they could wear the submission of these Gentiles as a badge of achievement. Uh, in other words, if I can convince this group of people to do this, look at what I've done. I have convinced them that they need to be circumcised, that they need to follow Jewish ceremonial law, Jewish traditions, uh, even when it's not necessary. It's a badge of achievement. Uh, we even see an example of this. Uh, the Bible tells us about David, how he boasted, how he had the 200 foreskins of the Philistines that he had killed. Uh, and so you can even relate that story from the Old Testament back to what these legalists wanted. They wanted the allegiance of the Gentiles, just like David wanted the allegiance of the Philistines. These legalists wanted the allegiance of the Gentiles as some sort of trophy. Uh, look, at, look at what I have accomplished. Now, we, we really get this from the word compel. The word compel is an important word in this verse. There is nothing wrong with a Gentile being circumcised. Or with, an, with, with a Gentile being uncircumcised. Because it has absolutely nothing to do with salvation. has nothing to do with our relationship with God. However, there is everything wrong with trying to compel a Gentile to be circumcised. By, by stating you cannot be right with God without coming under the law of Moses, there's something very wrong there. This idea of compel is almost by force. They're basically telling these Gentiles, if you don't come under the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament, you're going to hell. You're damned. That's why Paul, earlier on in the book, said, if anybody preaches any other gospel to you than that which I've preached unto you, let him be anathema. Let him be cursed. Let him be damned. That's what the word anathema means. It means an eternal curse. And that's why Paul gave that eternal curse. He says, nobody should be preaching any other gospel than that which we've preached to you. That is Jesus Christ. So, the word compel means that they're trying to force these Gentiles. Compel equaling force. They're trying to compel or force these Gentiles to come under ceremonial law. In this case, circumcision, which is not a requirement of salvation today. So, motive number one is this idea of a trophy. This idea of achieving with a trophy. But there's a second motive in their actions. And their second motive is pretty clear here. He says, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in Passion Week. And the central idea of Passion Week is Jesus, as he's going into, going into Jerusalem, and he's going to be crucified. 
That's why we celebrate Good Friday, which, by the way, I don't know how you get three days and three nights from Good Friday to Sunday morning, because uh, he said he would be in the grave for three days and three nights. When you start counting backwards, I don't know how you get to Good Friday, uh, but I'm not going to argue with the tradition. We celebrate Good Friday, which is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, and on Sunday morning, we have the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, and that's, that's next week's lesson. But... The cross of Christ is central to this discussion. It's central, uh, central to Passion Week because the cross of Christ is central to our belief. Uh, in the front of our sanctuary, above the baptistry, is a huge cross. Uh, whenever, you, uh, whenever you look at the light fixtures uh, going, going down the center of our sanctuary, each of them have crosses on them. You look at the Christian flag on, the, uh, uh, on, on our right-hand side of the sanctuary. The top of the Christian flag is a cross. We wear crosses as jewelry and so on to show our allegiance to the cross because the cross is the central part of the Christian faith. You see, ladies and gentlemen, our victory was assured at the cross. Now, some people want the victory to be assured at Easter Sunday morning. Easter Sunday morning is the result of the victory. The victory was the cross because Jesus made a wonderful statement on the cross, one word, and the word was to telestai. It's translated into English in three words in the King James Version. It is finished. With that statement, to telestai, it is finished. Our victory was assured. The, the gavel goes down. Even though we've committed our sins, the gavel goes down is not guilty. And we are forgiven of our sins, totally, totally clean, having our sins wiped away. Because the gavel goes down to telestai, it is finished. Uh, that's why the cross, you know, the cross is central to our salvation. Uh, and we're going to talk a lot more about that next week with Easter Sunday morning and the scripture we're going to be looking at there. Now, as Christians, we should not be ashamed of the cross. We should not be ashamed uh, of, what, uh, of, of the events of Passion Week. Uh, we ought to hold our Christianity high. Uh, people today in our society want to down Christianity. They want to tear it down. They want to talk about how uh, how Christians are out of date with modern society. Well, Christians have always been considered out of date uh, because we don't jive with the immorality that is around us. We don't jive with the world system. That's why Jesus said you're in the world, but you're not of the world. Uh, of the world meaning that that's not who we are. We don't identify with those worldly practices. At times we may be tempted. At times we may succumb. But the reality is our victory is in the cross. It is finished. To tell us that. And whenever I have repented of my sins, he has forgiven me of my sins. And I know that they're totally gone, washed away, never, never to be remembered against me anymore. And yes, I feel like I'm preaching even though I'm supposed to be teaching a lesson. That's all right. So, the second motive of these Galatians only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. They're trying to avoid persecution. All right? The legalists basically are saying, if we are only saved by the cross of Christ and not by our obedience under the law, we're going to be persecuted. Christians at the time this is written are being highly persecuted. They're being imprisoned. They are suffering torturous deaths. I mean, deaths that are unspeakable. Paul was actually one of the lucky ones as far as his martyrdom. He was simply beheaded. Uh, they would take Christians 
And they would uh, use their, they would set their bodies aflame on posts on the street and use them as lanterns to light up the street so that people could walk by. And the flesh would burn for hours in order to provide light for the passers-by. And by the way, they were burned alive. The Christians were looked down on. But the Jewish religion in Israel, because Israel was a conquered kingdom, uh, a conquered kingdom under the Romans, the Jewish religion was actually tolerated. Not necessarily liked, but tolerated. So these Judaizers are saying, look, if you come under the law of Moses, if you follow the Old Testament way of doing things, you're going to be okay. The Romans are not going to bother you. When in, uh, but if you keep doing this saved by grace stuff and you, st- and, you, and, and you are proclaiming a cross, you may end up on a cross yourself. And just as a reminder, the apostle Peter was actually crucified. He was crucified upside down in order not to resemble his Lord on the cross. Uh, Peter and Paul were both executed in pretty much the same area of Rome. Um, I have had the privilege of going to the tomb of St. Peter, which is in St. Peter's Basilica, which is the Vatican. I've had the privilege of going to St. Paul's, where St. Paul's body is buried. They actually have a CT or MRI scan, whatever it is, of the bones that are there, and it is the bones of a beheaded man uh, at St. Paul's. Now, can I tell you assuredly that the few bones that are there are actually Peter's or the few bones that are there are actually Paul's? No, I can't tell you that. Most historians say they are, especially Paul. They are very, very certain that those are Paul's bones. Uh, and they're so certain about Peter's bones that they built a basilica over it, which, by the way, St. Paul's basilica is not, is not shabby either. But, uh, they, you know, historians are very certain that these are the bones of Peter and Paul. And I remember going down, downstairs to this little area where, where you actually have the grave of Paul, uh, in St. Paul's in Rome. And uh, uh, I went to prayer there. It is a Catholic church, but I went to pray at the altar because I was just a few feet from, the, from, from these bones of Paul. Uh, and, I, and, and I got to pray to the Lord and say, Lord, whether this is Paul or not Paul as far as, far as his physical body, the real Paul is in heaven, and I will see him just like I see Jesus face to face. Paul was beheaded. Peter was crucified upside down. A lot of Christians in this time period were tortured. They were put into the Colosseum. They were used for the gladiators. They were used to fight bears. They were used to fight lions and so on. And, of course, the whole purpose was execution. Uh, Massive amounts of Christians were executed in various ways by by the Romans. And uh, the Jews are saying at this time, look, you want to avoid this type of persecution? Call yourself a Jew. Come under the law of Moses. And by coming under the law of Moses, you don't have to worry about the persecution from the Romans. The problem with that is it's telling a lie. We don't follow the legalistic system of the Old Testament. We don't follow the legalistic system of the Jews. We follow salvation by grace through faith. We're not ashamed of the cross. We wear the cross as jewelry. We're not ashamed of the cross. We put the cross at the head of our church. Uh, we're not ashamed of the cross. We put the cross on our light fixtures and so on. The cross, you know, people in that time period would be asking, why are you having, you know, why, why are you displaying a cross? Uh, the cross was a symbol of execution, not just of execution, but horrible execution. It would be comparable today to someone having a picture or some sort of graphic image of an electric chair or, or a gas chamber or a noose for hanging around their neck. 
as if that's some sort of jewelry or whatever. Uh, that's how these uh, people felt about the cross. Why would you display a cross? And the reason, again, is because the cross is to telestide. The cross is, it is finished. That is where victory is secured. Uh, so we're not trying to avoid a display of the cross. We're proudly proclaiming the cross. And these legalists, these Judaizers are trying to say, look, if you do that, you're going to suffer persecution from the Romans. And absolutely true. Many, many Christians were martyred. Many, many Christians killed in this time period due to their stance for Jesus Christ. What is ironic, as Christianity continued to grow, uh, Christianity became the official religion of the Roman Empire later on. Uh, we all know about the story, or at least we should know, but you know, you know the story of Constantine and his directive to form the Nicene Council, which of course helped finalize the canon of the Bible and so on. Uh, you know, the Roman Empire converted to their official religion as Christianity. But Judaism, these, these legalists later on, they were the ones who became persecuted. I want to remind you that the Roman general Titus marched into Jerusalem around 70-something uh, A.D. and actually destroyed the temple. And the temple has never been rebuilt. And the diaspora started, which is the dispersion of the Jews throughout the then-known world. Uh, and it is, not, it is not until the 1940s, after World War II, that the Jewish people actually got their nation back. And they still do not have their temple back. Because to build a temple... Uh, where the temple once stood would start World War III. That's where the Dome of the Rock is in Jerusalem, which is a, which is a Muslim mosque, uh, an Islamic mosque. And so if the Jews try to rebuild their temple there and they take down the Dome of the Rock, that's World War III because they are surrounded by Muslims. And, of course, that would be an invasion. Uh, so it's interesting how that the Jews became highly persecuted, whereas the Christians became the official religion of the Roman Empire. Later on, after Peter, after Paul and their deaths and the martyrs of many, they became the official religion. And uh, what do we have now? We even have uh, the first so-called Christian church, the Roman Catholic Church. It's interesting that the Roman Catholic Church is centered in Rome, uh, which was the capital of the then-known world, pretty much. And so it's, you know, and it actually filled the vacuum uh, of the Roman Empire, once the Roman Empire fell, people were looking for some sort of structure, some sort of hierarchy to give them direction. So the Roman Catholic Church was able to step into that vacuum and fill that void of power. And that, of course, is why the Roman Catholic Church became extremely powerful in the time of the Middle Ages and so on. It's still a very, very powerful force with over one billion people on the planet uh, claiming to be Roman Catholic. So uh, all of this is because of that switch from the Christians being persecuted uh, and those who were martyred and so on to Christianity becoming the official religion of the Roman Empire. So these Judaizers are trying to get them to compromise their stance on the cross, to get them to compromise and say, look, if you follow the cross, you're going to be persecuted, you're going to be martyred. You may be like Peter and crucified upside down. You may be like Paul and beheaded. Paul's response is, don't be ashamed of the cross. All right? Uh, the cross... Is, is your symbol. It's who you are because of Tetelestai. It is finished. And that actually brings us to next week's lesson. A little preview of next week's lesson. Next week's lesson, we're going to be dealing with one of my favorite scriptures in the book of Galatians. One of my favorite life scriptures. 
you know, sometimes people have three, four, five scriptures that they consider life scriptures, scriptures that have affected them personally inside. And I love Galatians 6, 14, and 15, some of my life scriptures right here, uh, scriptures that I go back to. Uh, and this is a preview of next week's lesson, because trust me, it's going to take a lesson to get through this. Uh, next week's lesson, which will be our Easter lesson next week, and this fits so perfectly with that Easter story. Paul writes, but God forbid that I should glory, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but a new creation. There it is, a new creation. Uh, so, uh, I'm going to glory only in the cross of Jesus Christ. The world's crucified to me, and I'm crucified to the world, but I'm glorying in the cross of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As we're finalizing this lesson today, let me tell you that uh, God has been so good to us here at Portland General Baptist Church. Uh, I've heard no reports of anyone in our church getting ill and sick from the COVID crisis. Um, I know that you're watching your news, and I, and I know that you're sick of being, being in hibernation, especially with Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday morning and so on. But the point is, we want you safe, uh, we want, and we want to be safe ourselves. Uh, the Lord has us in this world to be his evangelist, to tell others about Jesus Christ, and so we want you safe and able, able to do that. Uh, I'm sure you've been watching the news, how they are expecting the death rate to dramatically rise in this country. And uh, so we want as little impact with Portland General Baptist Church as possible uh, as far as that's concerned. Uh, God gave us wisdom. Uh, yes, he's our protector. Yes, he's the one who shelters us. But he also gave us wisdom and wisdom to, you know, not do things that would endanger ourselves. Uh, anyway, with that being said, I want you to know that you're in my prayers. Uh, it is good. I have had a few phone calls and so on of people who've said, hey, I listened to your Sunday school lesson. Sounds like you're preaching, but I listened to your Sunday school lesson. Some people have called Brother Larry, and they've told him the same thing. I'm glad to know that people are listening, and I am glad to know that you're somehow being, being blessed as we continue with our study, study in the book of Galatians. So next week, Easter Sunday morning, we will be starting with Galatians 6.14, God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where we're going to pick up our study. I want to end this time with a word of prayer for you, please. Lord, right now I pray, I pray your divine blessings upon Portland General Baptist Church. I, I truly believe, Lord, in praying blessings on people. I ask you, Lord, to bless our pastor. I ask you, Lord, to bless the ministry team. I ask you, Lord, to bless every person who attends or is a member of Portland General Baptist Church. Bless them. Bless their families. Lord God, shelter them. I ask you, Lord, to protect them. Put your hedge of protection around them. I ask you, Lord, to give them encouragement in this very trying time. Let them know, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is within us and your Holy Spirit is with us and your Holy Spirit continues to lead and guide us even, even in these difficult times. Help us, Lord, to continue to study your word, to let the word live in our hearts. And we give you honor and praise for this through the agency, power, and name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and amen. Well, I've tried to keep these to 30 minutes. I think I'm going to do so today as well. Uh, I, I, I cannot wait to talk to you next week, Easter Sunday morning. Have a great time. We hope you enjoyed and were enlightened by Dr. Rich Roberts' teaching from the book of Galatians. 
You can find all of our sermons and lessons in the Sermon Audio Archive on our website at www.portlandgbc.org. That's www.portlandgbc.org. Most of these recordings can also be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. Just search for Portland General Baptist Church on your favorite platform. In the meantime, we are praying for your health and safety during these difficult times and trusting in the Lord for deliverance.